I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. We are in the home stretch of this book study that we began uh, way back in August of last year. It's hard to believe, but that's when we began this study. My plan, Lord willing, is for us to be in the book of Ecclesiastes just two more weeks, and then we will move on to uh, something else. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is where we find ourselves this morning. Again, I encourage you to follow along in the Scriptures. Uh, If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's Bibles on the back table, or you can follow along in the insert found in your bulletin. We come this morning to yet another difficult passage uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. This hasn't been the easiest book uh, to preach through, but that's okay. The Lord has been gracious And this is a passage in particular that we could spend a lot of time picking apart the intricacies of what is presented here. Picking apart the intricacies of what seems like to us at first reading just a collection of scattered observations about the world. So we could spend a lot of time just with these individual sayings, picking them apart, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to take that kind of time. Instead, What I want you to see, what I want us to see and focus on this morning is the two paths of life that Solomon puts before us once again. They're paths of life that aren't all that new to us. In fact, this book of wisdom is by its very description as a book of wisdom laying out these roads as is the rest of the Bible. But Solomon presents uh, the case uh, for these two paths here in a compelling and yet at sometimes, at some points, confusing way. And so I want to look at this uh, a little more deeply uh, for the next few moments. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to begin at verse 13, where we left off last week, and we will continue uh, through the entirety of chapter 10. Listen as I read. This is God's holy word. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man, but I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Better is wisdom. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses, 
and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land. When your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in the bedroom. In your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Amen. This is the Word of the Lord. I don't know how many of you um, subscribe to the magazine uh, World, World Magazine. If you don't, it's a magazine I highly recommend. Um, Great magazine just concerning current events from a biblical perspective. I'm a subscriber to World and have been for many years, and there's a section of World magazine uh, in the beginning of the magazine each month entitled Quick Takes. And it's always kind of an entertaining section in many ways to kind of get you into the deeper parts of the magazine. But I want to read you just a couple of these brief stories in this section called Quick Takes. Police didn't need much to solve a bank heist in Honolulu on October 29th. According to official reports, 45-year-old Albert Robledo passed a deposit slip to a teller at the Bank of Hawaii demanding $5,000 in a bag or threatening to set off a backpack bomb. Thankfully for police, Robledo signed his real name to the deposit slip. Here's another one. Police say Damon Matthews wore a ski mask when he held up a 7-Eleven convenience store in Bay City, Michigan on November 29th. But the mask wasn't nearly enough to hide the 19-year-old's identity. According to video surveillance, a masked man towering more than seven feet tall entered the 7-Eleven and pilfered cash and several packs of cigarettes at knife point. The store employee recognized not Matthew's face, but rather his seven-foot-four-inch frame. If there was one word to describe those two would-be criminals, what was the word that we might use? Maybe foolishness?
I think that's how we would describe these actions. And I think that's the way we describe these men. As foolish in at least two ways. The first way is the way that we use the word foolish the most. What were you thinking? You're seven foot four inches tall. You're easily recognizable on the street. Hello, is there anyone up there? Don't sign your name to the deposit slip demanding a robbery. See, these two men clearly weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. They were foolish. But we would also describe these men in these stories as foolish in the sense that their actions are arrogant. The things that they were trying to accomplish were without concern for others, without concern for authority, certainly without concern for God and His law, and rather were completely self-absorbed and ultimately evil, wicked. See, as we examine this passage this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, the word before us this morning, you see it in your bulletin as the sermon title, the word before us is foolishness. Foolishness. Fool, folly, foolishness, some form of the word appears ten times in the verses that I just read. The only word that rivals it is the word wise or wisdom, which appears 11 times. You see, it's pretty clear in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and into chapter 10, Solomon is out to warn us against foolishness. And in a life lived under the sun, he is out to put us on the path of wisdom. And to do that, he describes foolishness here in this passage in some some pretty vivid, memorable ways. Ways that do indeed focus at times on lack of intelligence, on lack of just thinking, but they also drive us to that deeper understanding of foolishness. The kind of foolishness that we hear described in Psalm 14 verse 1. Remember that verse? The fool says in his heart, There is no God. The Hebrew word that's used there, which is translated in English as fool, is not a person who lacks intelligence. This is not foolishness that comes from silliness or folly. The kind of foolishness in Psalm 14.1 is active defiance against God. It's the kind of foolishness that Proverbs talks about. Solomon talks about in Proverbs. Proverbs 18.2, a fool delights in airing his own opinions. Proverbs 15.5, a fool hates correction. And Proverbs 12.15, a fool thinks he is right. And so this is not just a passage on how to live wisely. As if that could be done with just a few tips from the book of wisdom that is Ecclesiastes. No, this is a passage on living wisely by fearing the Lord. By fearing the Lord. In other words, it's a reminder that a truly wise life can only be found in Jesus. A truly wise life can only be found in Jesus. But even for us who know and love Jesus and have clung to Him for years, 
We struggle to walk by the Spirit and not by our own flesh. And we so easily default to the flesh. You see, we all need wisdom. We all need this wisdom. And so as we look at this passage, uh, I want this morning two truths and three animals to guide us. That intrigued my daughter. Two truths and three creatures this morning. And the first truth is this. Wisdom recognizes the power of foolishness. Wisdom recognizes the power of foolishness. As we jump into this truth, I want to skip for a moment uh, the opening story that finishes off chapter 9 and just go right to chapter 10, verse 1. And as we do that, under this first point of wisdom recognizing the power of foolishness, I want to focus on three creatures, kids, listen to me good here, three creatures that Solomon uses to make his point. One idea as you take notes, kids, is to draw these three creatures as you are hearing them being talked about. And the first creature is flies. Flies. Many of you, I suspect, <coughs> remember this story a few years ago. It was in the news. A few years ago in December of 2013, a woman by the name of Justine Sacco who was a very British, excuse me, a very British, a very, well, she was probably very British, but she was a very successful British communications director for a large New York-based firm, internet firm. And she wrote a tweet. Everybody know what a tweet is? From Twitter, that social media tool. She wrote a tweet and posted it to her Twitter account right before she got on a plane as she was headed to South Africa from London. And it was just 12 words. Going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. And by the time Justine landed 12 hours later, unbeknownst to her at first, those 12 words had dismantled her life. Oh, she tried to backpedal. She took the post down. She deleted her Twitter account. She deleted her Facebook account, but it was too late. Whatever success, whatever credibility, whatever reputation she had worked for for many years was gone. She was fired. She was ashamed. And that's Solomon's point in verse 1 of chapter 10. Little flies decomposing in the finest of ointment will taint the whole thing just as one careless, foolish action can crumble a life of honor. Therefore, recognize the power of foolishness. Now, we think about her life and we think, wow, I mean, no one is perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. That's true. But wise living, Solomon reminds us, knows its weaknesses 
Wise living thinks through consequences, and wise living is careful, and wise living is prayerful. And frankly, part of the guarding against this is guarding against our own pride. Our own pride that we all have, the arrogance that that you never need to be concerned. I mean, I think of, of Peter. We looked at Peter's life and specifically Peter's statement to the Lord Jesus that the disciples might run at your arrest, Lord, but I won't. I will stay with you. I will stay with you to the death. And what happened to Peter? He didn't stay. He ran. He betrayed. And he was ashamed. See, wisdom is humility. Wisdom is recognition of your own limitation. Wisdom recognizes the power of folly. That's the first creature. The second creature is snakes. Snakes. Verse 8 and verse 11. Verse 8 says a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. Verse 11 says if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. You may have heard the phrase, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. It's a saying from Alexander Pope, an 18th century English poet. And it really gets at the meaning here, I think, that Solomon is driving us towards. Wisdom, in recognizing the power of folly, in guarding against it, wisdom slows down. Wisdom knows the dangers. Wisdom responds appropriately. Look in your Bibles with me at verses 8 through 11. 8 through 11 is this collection of Proverbs, and we're giving this series of accidents. Accidents that in all likelihood could have easily been prevented had the power of foolishness been recognized beforehand and wisdom been applied. You have the guy who digs a pit, a very common thing, digs a pit in order to trap an animal and is careless and falls into the pit himself. You have the guy who is tearing down a rock wall and is not recognizing and watching for snakes which would obviously be hiding in those rocks. Then you have the guys who are hauling rocks and splitting logs without regard for safety. You have the guy who is trying to cut down a tree with a blade that hasn't been sharpened in forever, and so he's just beating harder and harder on the tree. And then you have the guy who doesn't take time to make sure that the snake is sufficiently charmed before he tries to handle the creature. See, all these accidents in verses 8 through 11, they all say the same thing. These are fools who destroy themselves by their own foolishness because they're not taking the time to think things through and to act accordingly. Wise living not only recognizes its weakness and folly's power, but it takes time to compensate for that, whether it be through the wisdom of counselors, whether it be through the appropriate use of tools or knowledge. Solomon is observing all these things as he calls us 
to wise living. It's interesting that Solomon describes all these things right after he sees in our world, in life under the sun, the kind of folly that's in high places. He laments that here again. We've talked about when there is folly in high places, in the authority above us, and and we're powerless to fix it. He laments about this reality again in verses 16-19. through You can see it there in the Proverbs that he cites. And he shows the, the cynicism and the sarcasm that we have come to, to see from time to time from Solomon. Where he says, yeah, money answers everything, doesn't it, in our world? Knowing that that's not the case before the Lord. But even in the midst of foolishness and power and folly in high places, We can rest and we can have joy knowing that God is on His throne. We've talked about that before. So through the flies, through the snakes, we are reminded of the power of foolishness. Well, there's one final animal that leads us on the path of wise living. And it's found in verse 20. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. How appropriate it is that something we have termed in our modern day culture a tweet can be carried throughout the world and accomplish so much harm in such little time. You see, Solomon reminds us in these last verses and verses, as well as in verses 12 through 14, that the power of our words and the fact that the more words we speak, the more danger there is to fear. Many of you were here a couple years ago when we studied the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, of course, is riddled with this counsel about our words. Let me read you a few. Proverbs 10.19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17.21, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is to his folly and shame. Proverbs 29.11, a fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. See, Solomon is reminding us as he looks at life under the sun, as he looks at the power of folly, that frankly, we speak too much at times. And even when we do speak, we simply need to slow down because there is no rewind button for the words that you say. Proverbs 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And I could read many other Proverbs. See, there are times in our lives when the wise thing is not to say what's on your mind. And the wise thing is simply to stop, to slow down, to think. Wisdom recognizes the power of of folly. Wisdom recognizes the power of our words. Wisdom recognizes the need to slow down. 
It's a lot of wisdom that Solomon has packed into these verses. I think that's the point of the verses as we think about our lives under the sun. But Solomon and God's Word, they point us to a reality beyond just the power of folly. And that's the second truth that I want us to think about this morning. And it's this. True wisdom recognizes the foolish power of God. Of course, I have foolish in quotes. They're in my notes. True wisdom recognizes the foolish power of God. I love this about the Scriptures. I love this about this passage. This is kingdom thinking, turning everything upside down, turning everything on its head. True wisdom is found in fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord can only be done by following Jesus. And life in Jesus is life according to His Word. And life according to His Word sees wisdom and foolishness different than everybody else. Kingdom thinking thinks differently than everyone else. If we go back to the story at the beginning of this passage, verses 13 through 17, I want to read it again. 13 of chapter 9, I have seen this example of wisdom under the sun and it seemed great to me. There's a little city with men in it and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was no But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. See, that story prods us to to think about the world's wisdom versus the wisdom of of God. I mean, just think about what's compared in that little story that Solomon gives to set up this passage. You have a strong king versus a poor man. You have an army of might versus just a few. You have weapons of strength versus wisdom. And you have shouting versus quiet. If we're presented with those two sides, where where does Vegas' money go? The conclusion that Solomon wants to make is that the battle doesn't always go to the strong and to the flashy. But in many ways, the battle goes to the foolish and the forgettable in the world's eyes. See, under the sun, wisdom trumps folly, but also there is a foolishness that trumps the world's wisdom. And this is the great reversal of the kingdom of God. This is where this passage, I think, ultimately points us. The deeper meaning of foolishness that I want us to see and think about. Remember, this is what the Apostle Paul proclaimed to the church in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18. We read it just a couple weeks ago. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to we who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The wisdom of God equals the foolishness of the world. And this is why true wisdom begins with recognizing that Jesus came to the earth for fools. He lived a perfect life for fools. He died an innocent death for fools. And three little words, it is finished, changed everything. We were talking about snakes, but the serpent's head was crushed by those three words and what they represented. And through seeming weakness, as our Lord stretched Himself out on a wooden cross, the power of God was made manifest for all time. And that's why we're here to celebrate. That's how we can live lives of true wisdom because of that power, because of the power of the cross of Christ, because of the power of the Spirit which resides in each of us. We can live under the sun lives of calmness and quietness and gentleness and deliberateness and carefulness. Essentially living as wise fools. One of my favorite songs growing up as I rode around in the car with my preacher dad was an old song by Michael Card called God's Own Fool. It's been rattling around in my brain all week. And I wanted to read it to you as we close this morning. I thought about singing it to you, but I thought against that. Seems I've imagined him all of my life. As the wisest of all of mankind, but if God's holy wisdom is foolish to man, he must have seemed out of his mind. For even his family said he was mad, and the priest said a demon's to blame. But God, in the form of this angry young man, could not have seemed perfectly sane. When we in our foolishness thought we were wise, He played the fool and He opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, He became helpless to show we were wrong. And so we follow God's own fool. For only the foolish can tell. Believe the unbelievable and come be a fool as well. So come lose your life for a carpenter's son, for a madman who died for a dream, and you'll have the faith his first followers had, and you'll feel the weight of the beam. So surrender the hunger to say you must know. Have the courage to say, I believe. For the power of paradox opens your eyes and blinds those who say they can see. Friends, true wisdom doesn't just know and guard itself against the power of folly, against the power of foolishness, although it does do that. But true wisdom clings and recognizes the foolishness of the cross and all that that means for our lives. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Solomon and his wisdom to show us anew the folly of life under the sun.
and to guard ourselves against foolishness. The kind of foolishness that just doesn't think and the kind of foolishness that is rebellious to Your Word. Father, may we instead follow God's own fool. The Lord Jesus, the One who turned the wisdom of the world upside down. And now we live. We live in Him. We move in Him. May we live abiding in our Savior and being led by the Spirit. I will impress these words and this truth on our hearts this morning, we pray. For Your good pleasure, for Your glory, and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.